episode four. Uh, it's on me to do the intro this time, and I felt like last time you had such a good intro that I can't even compete with what you did. Are you going circus mode? That circus mode intro. <laughs> yeah. Should I try that? Yeah, go on, go on. Episode four. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we've actually got into four eps. Mm. Yeah, look, I um, I think we're fine on our feet. I think we're getting better. I feel like, um, look, I'm pretty critical on myself, so that's why You're I'm coming super prepared today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're an optimist. But we're getting there. We feel good about this one today. I feel like no sound issues, no pressure in the booth. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> I'm actually being told what to do today. This is great. Higher. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. Me? I'm oh, good. No, it's me. Um, no, just talk amongst yourselves for a second. How's that? Is that better? Okay. So, huge week. We had some floods on the East Coast, which was pretty big. Mm. Um, for me, I had my first flight in about a year and a half. Yeah. What was that like? Man, it was so trippy. I think for the rest of the world, they've been a bit open for a bit longer, mm. but just to set this up... I've been bunkering down in Perth with COVID, as you have. Yeah. And I really haven't been flying around until I think my last flight was probably uh, when we finished filming Celebrity Apprentice, which when I think of it, mm. we filmed that through COVID. Like, how did that even happen? Uh, yeah. Oh. So, all right. So you've, uh, why were you heading over east? Is there something? Can you no, tell it's us? very secret. I can't oh, is it? <laughs> But when the secret's out, I will reveal it here. But man, so we go. I go into the airport, and Perth Airport right now yeah. is about as bad as it could possibly be. There's construction going on. It's a full ghost town. None of the cafes are open. You're having to walk through these like construction corridors. Not quite sure where you're going. It was just not a good introduction to travel. And who did you fly with? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's get to that. Look, all right. So. I, I was a high-level, high-level model, 20 years. <laughs> I'm used to that bougie travel. Yeah. I'm used to that business class, <laughs> Qantas lounge, yeah. like that bougie travel. And uh, at the moment, there's, I don't even know if that exists anymore because the airports just aren't equipped for it. Did and on, the, <laughs> on this flight, I was on Jetstar. Did you have in-flight entertainment? Oh. <laughs> Please tell me. Oh, man. It was so bad. <laughs> like the whole experience, I've gone from like, would you like a glass of champagne, sir? To like being slapped with a chicken wrap when I got on. It was that old lady. She was back. <laughs> Why is every single flight attendant so sassy now? They're just so sassy, dude. I'm like, I think you guys and girls have gotten into the wrong industry. I know it's a high-pressure job being a flight attendant. Well, you know Jerry's a flight yeah, attendant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a high-pressure job. But I feel like, you know, I don't need to be sassed on top of <laughs> crammed into a sardine Was seat. Was the flight packed? Uh, Perth to Sydney, no. Perth to Sydney, no, it was not packed. And that was the Jetstar one. And um, I'm going to do some like, what do we call it? Anti-influence? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah anti- <laughs> they're doing their best. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're doing their best. Well, they've been in the pandemic. They're time. doing their best. Horrible experience, man. And on my ticket, I had business class max, and I was like, sweet, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Jetstar is all economy. I don't even know why they put that on the – they just want to make – like they want to build it up to make you feel good. Like they're like business class max, get ready to be pampered. 
last time I flown, uh, flew, I um, I got pulled up at the uh, what is it? Where, where you the metal detector? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a bat in my bag. <laughs> Slightly different experiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> look. Yeah, I, I look. I, that's why we're trying to avoid flying, to be honest. Um, so I'm guessing it's a business trip. It's a business trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm dropping his. I really I really can't say anything. I have an NDA. <laughs> There's me. I'm trying to push into it. <laughs> so okay. So let me guess. Um, are you going on another show? Maybe. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Sorry. But yeah, the whole flying experience, man. I think it's just completely changed. Because mm. I, I used to really love traveling. Mm. I traveled so much. You'd be on these planes and doing the lounges. It was the best. And now I hate it. Mm. Like it was just such a bad experience. Yeah. See, so, uh, look. Yeah, I don't fly enough to really have a big opinion. I try to stay here. But i um, I got to tell you a story. One time I was on a plane mm. and the uh, there was a female um, pilot and she came down and I was just sitting in and she came down and whispered in my ear and said, meet me in the toilet. Mm. Yeah, and I was like, okay. Um, and then we, no, nah, this didn't happen. No, it's just like, <laughs> legit, oh, this is an absolute bullshit story. <laughs> didn't happen. That was going to go yeah, down. Were you like, like, holy, like, holy. Wait. This is I thought I knew much nah, of no, I've had no really excitement things. The one thing that did happen, we went to America actually, and I had Lennox uh, sit beside me, yeah. and he started fitting. Oh, on the plane? On the plane. Yeah, never had a fit in his life and started fitting. And I carried him um, really worried to the... Uh, the galley? Yeah, yeah, to the galley, yeah. yeah. And um, I told him, I was like, my son's fitting. I don't know what to do. Like, he was not unresponsive. And then a lady walked in, swear to God, tripped up. Not even tripped up, just fainted. She went for the toilet, oh. hit her head. I've got my son fit and i got this chick sleeping on the ground because she just hit her head from falling. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I was thinking it was the, um, you know, we kind of where the oxygen kind of gets out of the yeah yeah yeah, yeah, or, yeah or like the pressure in the yeah it was a trippy situation. Well, what happened? How did they resolve? Um, Lennox kind of eventually came to. He yeah. just hopped up. I'm good. Yeah, kinda a little bit like that. Yeah, Sometimes stopped shaking. Yeah, and know. then we um, took him back to the seat and he fell asleep for the whole trip. And then we got to the next place because we we're flying to America. Yeah, and they weren't going to let him fly to America. So because imagine. Of because oh. he had a fit on the plane. Yeah. So we had to get passed by medical and then they said And all good okay. to go. Yeah, it was all good. Yeah. So they actually had a medical emergency on my flight home this time too, yeah. which kudos to Australians. Now, i got to say, <laughs> I've been on a lot of flights and I've been on flights where there's been a medical emergency and the captain comes on and is like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a medical emergency. We have to have the um, emergency department. First responders come in and take care of this emergency. Please stay in your seats. Yeah. And in Europe, everyone's like, no, forget that. And they're all just like, everyone's like running for the, for the exit, like pushing through. Mm. Australia land in Perth, guy comes on, there's a medical emergency, please stay in your seat. Not one person moved, dude. Sat completely still for 30 minutes. It was amazing. I was really proud. I'm really proud to be in You know how sometimes you have yeah. those proud Australian moments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, we look after each other. Mm. It's good to be back in Australia because I've seen that go wrong a couple of times where people pushing past a gurney as it's going down the aisle to get to the person in the plane. Imagine being that person as well. You're like sick on a plane and everyone's just like, I need my bags, pushing you out the way, <laughs> elbowing you in the stomach. The one thing you notice is when you get on, 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 a, uh, on a plane, you get 
kind people and rude people. Mm. And um, you, if you look on the net, there's like so many times people getting in fights on the plane. Mm. Um, yeah, so. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> <laughs> well, because all sorts travel, I suppose, right? And then you're all packed in like sardines. It's a high stress environment, <laughs> yeah. Which is why these um, flight attendants are so sassy. Mm. So we have a guest on today. We do. Yeah. Well, you and I are playing in a charity golf tournament on Friday. We are now. Why are we wearing these shirts? Well, I guess it's got something to do with uh, the golf tournament. Doesn't yeah, it? it does. And we have. Uh, so it's about, should we, should we get her in? Should we get her in or should we? Yeah, let's wait? bring her in. Well, you want to set up the golf? I want to ask if you've played any golf before. I, I, I look, I, I'm not uh, a big golf player. I yeah. don't play golf too often. I'm kind of like fast paced, you know, right So near. a quick charity 18? Yeah. No dramas. Exactly. So I, um. Play through. So is it, is it 18 holes are we playing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> have you got any, have you even got golf lingo? Uh, No. Zero. I actually went Four. and bought a hat. I went and oh, bought, bought a yeah. hat. <laughs> oh, you're sorted then. You're <laughs> sweet. Uh, you know how to swing a bat. I've got one of those um, <laughs> old man hats. Yes. Because yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, I'd love to see what the average age of people playing golf is. It'd be definitely up there, wouldn't it? Somewhere around the average age of parties and orgies. And yeah, I'm, I don't think I've got to that point that um that I, I like I want to play golf every day. Like I haven't got to that point. Yeah, so, I haven't got to that point where I want to play golf at all. But we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, so, I've played maybe I've played maybe five games in my life. Five games of golf, yeah. and they were all bad. <laughs> oh, really? Like it was like frustration. Yeah, so- it's it's every yeah. it's it's yeah. the kind of sport where I just like hate everything about it because mm. you have to be really controlled and focused mm. and I just want to swing on stuff. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah, driving range. Yeah. yeah, I'm a driving range guy. And then it's like the dudes that yeah. are just like hitting it with technique are hitting it way further yeah. than somebody that rage hits it like me. Yeah. See, I'm good. I think it's more putting. So mm. when I come to putting, oh, the short game. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. why you know I struggle with that. That's why I normally lay down and I use the other end. Do the pull cue. <laughs> Well, skills or not, we are playing on Friday, and it is for a very good cause. It's for DT38, which is a foundation that was set up in memory of Dylan James Tambides. I hope I said their last name correctly. Get her in here. Uh, Dylan was a fantastic soccer player, played for Australia under-17s, under-23s, and uh, we just kind of want to tell you a little bit about that. So we're going to have our guests come in. It, it's, a bit, it's a bit clunky bringing guests. It's a bit clunky bringing guests into the studio. I'm sorry. But you got to kind of like sneak by, <laughs> sneak by the desk and try to like quietly walk in. You got to like hop over each other. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad I didn't have to go under the table. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming in, Tracy. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, how did this start? How did this charity start? Okay. So um, when Dylan was, um, when we came back here, we brought him back here for his service. And um, at his wake, we were sitting around talking with his friends and they indicated they had no idea about Dylan's symptoms and they knew nothing about testicular cancer. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I'm sitting here listening to all his mates and, and I was like, I've got to do something about this. So um, with the help of um, West Ham, um, we set up the charity DT38 uh, initially in the UK and then uh, eventually out here in Australia just so that we could raise awareness and educate uh, our young men and older men about testicular cancer. Now, Tracy, before we jump, I think I think we just went one step too fast there. 
Can we take it back just because the listeners may be not familiar with what DT38 is about and what happened. And if you're happy to kind of talk about it, I'd love to know a bit more about Dylan and, and kind of his story and what happened and, and how, how it all kind of came to pass. Yes, certainly. Um, so we moved, the family moved, family moved to um, Macau initially mm. um, when Dylan was 13 and Taylor was 11. And where are you guys from originally? We're from Perth originally. Yeah. So we were, um, the boys were born and raised here in Perth and um, my work took me up to Macau. Um, and at the end of my stint up there, we had the opportunity to go either on to London and play football or come back here to Australia. And, and Dylan was playing football in Macau. Is there in a Macau, big, yeah. big soccer program? Um, there is just, you know, there's just a lot of sport and it's not so much a program. Um, it's just every day you're playing in cages or on rooftops or on, you know, artificial mm. turf and that 10 o'clock at night when it's the coolest over there. So, you know, they played a lot of um, football. And, yeah, we always knew that he had a skill set but you just don't know at what age they're going to either fall in love or fall out of love yeah, with the totally, game. Totally. So we've always kept an eye on him. And at 14, he, you know, he fell in love with it. So he went up to West Ham, trialed up there. Um, at off, 14? At 14. Wow. Uh, got offered a, um, a, a schoolboy contract up there. Um, and once we had indicated that we were moving up to London, they, they signed Dylan up there. So he... He loved it, and they loved him. He was um, just the this like larrikin from Perth. Really, mm. he was just really a, a cheeky, charming, you know, kid. I've always said to you know, if you whatever you do, if you want to be a rat bag, just be a polite one. You'll yeah. go yeah, far yeah. with manners. Yeah, yeah. You know? Luke, Luke, yeah, Luke, Luke makes a living yeah, off that. Totally yeah, agree. absolutely. <laughs> you know, you get away with anything, don't yeah, you? If you've exactly, got your yeah. please and thanks. That's, yeah, that's in Luke's bio, actually. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, what happened was um, in April 2011, Dylan was in and around the first team up there. It was a real, you know, it was a real big deal. It was a, mm. a lifelong dream for him and and for the Australian soccer community, really, to have somebody from, you know, sleepy Perth mm. to, you know, be making it on the world stage. So, um, but he found a lump. And at that particular point, West Ham were in a relegation battle and he didn't want to um, put any more downers on the club. So he went to his GP and his GP told him that it was just a cyst. Don't worry about it. People live with cysts every day. So he finished the season uh, on the bench with West Ham um, game and um, then flew out to Australia to join up with his teammates to go to Mexico for the Under-17 World Cup. And it was out there after the, the fourth game that he did a random drug test and he failed it. He, you know, he came back positive for a banned substance. Yeah. And it was either a, he'd taken a banned substance or he had a tumour. And so he knew which one it was. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's how okay. they caught it. That's how they found out. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's crazy that all of a sudden you can take a drug test and it can come up as a oh, tumor. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened to me all those years. You know what I mean? Like riddled with yeah. it. Damn work. I should have went to the doctors. Nah. I, um, so when that happened, do you kind of like, I know it's been a long time, but it's like the, when it got picked up at the start, you uh, could have that helped us? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's one of those diseases. If you catch it in its infancy, in the first stages, mm. then there's a ninety six percent cure rate. Yeah. The longer you leave it, the the more it spreads. It it its pa um, passage from the testicles is into your lymph node system, which mm. then They're very right quickly, there. you know, goes mm. through all your to your major organs. So um, he was he came back from Mexico um, as soon as he arrived. West Ham took over. Yeah, um, got him into the hospital to have his testicle removed. Got him into start his chemo, 
Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, every time that... Had it actually moved up into his lymph yes, nodes at this it, point? It had, yeah, okay, he okay. was diagnosed at stage three. So, so when he first went months, to see that doctor, he's yeah. about 17. And then at what age is he diagnosed with stage three? Well, it was when two months. Two months. Yeah, from April, sorry, sorry, June. So April, he went to the, the GP. And when he came back at the, oh, I think it was about the 6th of July, don't remember exactly, at 10.35, yeah. um, he, um, he was three months into the disease and, yeah, and fighting so a battle. so young. Yeah. So young. What's that like for the family? I, I, we're going to speak really frankly yeah, sure. today. It's really and, numbing. And open about you know, stuff. you're just like, I, I remember just absolutely <clears throat> bursting into tears and being inconsolable and then switching into mum mode mm. and contacting the doctors at West Ham who, you know, I've explained to them, then they contacted the doctors at um, with the Australian team to find out as much more information as they possibly could. Um, and then they just went into making sure he had the, you know, the best treatment available to him um, for for him to go through all these the chemo. Um, and he, you know, he, for that three and a half years that he fought that disease, you know, he'd had like nine separate rounds of chemotherapy, wow. you know, two or three operations. Really aggressive. Really aggressive. It was a really a rare aggressive cancer. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like, I don't know. If you're a 20-year-old or 30-year-old, I guess it can hit you at any point, um, get your nuts checked, really, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how, or do you just, like... You'd be really surprised to you know you that the youngest has been five that? months old. Five months old. And, oh, wow. And the oldest has been 69. Okay, years. so oh, here, wow. here is a... Here is an interesting thing, because we are both parents as well, right? Yeah. And I think oftentimes with kids, stuff like checking your nuts is maybe a conversation you probably don't have. No. I'm not sure if you guys were talking to Dylan mm. about that. Hey, son, how's your balls? <laughs> like it doesn't really come up that no. much, you know. Um, I've obviously I've had a couple of things happen with my kids too where now you're like, whoa, whoa, that's something we actually need to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess probably this is a big part of the charity, right, is raising that awareness where we are, you want people to be like, this can happen. And like you're saying, five months, like you need to, Check your kids' balls. Well, that's when it hits home for you guys, doesn't it, as parents? Mm. And that's why for us, it's not just the men that need to know, it's the women that need to know as well. You know, mm. as a mother, checking out your five-month-old child yeah. and noticing that something's not right with your, you know, that his testicle is, mm. is paramount for him to be surviving, you know. So it's really vital that everybody knows about this disease. And if you don't want to check them, you can get a drug test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you can get someone else to check them for you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there are some perks. <laughs> the six-month mum. Yeah. yeah. that was big as oranges. We, we actually talked about um, my nuts about two or three podcasts ago. And, I, and before I started even this podcast, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to stay away from uh, farts. <laughs> like nuts and all that. Look at that. Four episodes in. We've got two, two, <laughs> two eps about <laughs> But it is, you know, it's uh, when you start these charities, it's, you know, it means so much to you because for something so devastating to happen, you know, to your son at such a young age when he had this whole life ahead of him, but by the looks of it, he had a very, he, he maybe had a very uh, amazing life ahead of him. Uh, and all that just stopped very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it must have been a huge shock for the family. No, it was a, it was a huge shock for us. And um, but one thing Dylan did was he kept going about his daily uh, exercise. Like he'd go down to West Ham every day. And mm. 
you know, whatever he did down there was obviously dependent on how he felt. But he was in and around the club and in and around his, his mates. And he, he made it easy for everybody to deal with his... Um, his diagnosis, I suppose. You know, you you see somebody. You know, I I grew up when and cancer wasn't the word you you spoke about very often. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, you got somebody that's quite open about it and quite happy, it, it, it you're you can engage with them better. And and it, he just was somebody that wanted to be a cancer patient patient for a short time and a professional athlete all his life. So you know, he he knew that he well he he focused on the fact that he was not going to be a cancer patient for a long time, you know, forever. And he yeah. wanted to just focus on his, his professional career. Sounds like me and him could have definitely got along. Because, Sounds like it. Because <laughs> uh, happy-go-lucky, like when it goes, when you get bad news, like you can either stay in the sorrow of it or whatever, or you can still get up and go to work, you know, do your job or whatever, even though his job's like fun job, you know, mine's like, <laughs> mine's a little bit, not just playing soccer. Like. But it's just the fact is like, uh, he didn't change his routine too much, you know, where he could have easily gone down a path of destruction. People change their personality nearly because it, it hits home. Uh, so to hear that he, um, you know, he kept doing what he loved. And... Yeah. He had every reason to stay in bed and stay yeah. curled up in bed if he wanted to. Um, he even... He even made the doctors um, down at the hospital give him uh, his chemo on a Friday afternoon so that um, there's, there's some times when your treatment is as an outpatient and some as an inpatient. And mm. when he was outpatient, he he would train Monday to Friday, go and have his chemo on a Friday afternoon, recover Saturday, Sunday, so he could get back into training on a Monday. And they, they were fantastic. They would give him... Um, bone density tests all the time to make sure that his bones hadn't weren't becoming brittle from the from the chemo and that just yeah. so that he could train and there'd be days when he wasn't allowed to do contact um, uh, exercises at the the club and and days when he could train by himself and, and away from the the rest of the guys so they made they made it as as uh, easy for Dylan to to stay doing what he did. And kudos to the club for yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. Kudos. Yeah. yeah, and to him for being so mentally tough. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's the the impact that he had on the club was the reason for the the, the DT thirty eight. You know, DT yeah. being Dylan Tombides and thirty eight being the shirt number that they retired. retired yeah. yeah, they yeah. retired his number they too. Tell us number. a little bit about that. Yeah, look, I mean, the way they've honoured Dylan and the legacy they're leaving behind for him is it really is. Um, I, I get really emotional about it at times because I stop and think about everybody that's gone through West Ham Academy, mm. you know, over the you know the 125 years, and you know they've gone and named the um, the education centre after him. You know, they've, yeah, they've got a you know they've got a Dylan Tombetti's education centre, and they've got the uh, Dylan and the Champions um, place with you know all the legends of the game that they have. You know, Bobby Moore, you know, Jeff Peters, you know, Mark Noble. You know, every all of the the, the players that they're recognising over the years and, and Dylan's right up there and that's just, you know, for a, for a Perth kid that, you know, um, finished up with the club at, at year, you know, 20 years of age, he's, yeah. he's obviously had a huge impact uh, on people down there, which cool. makes me proud. It's great for you too as yeah. a parent because you know you don't just have the rose-coloured glasses on. He actually was a pretty fantastic dude. You're like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> wasn't the just me. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't just me. Yeah. It also, what I think, uh, what it does, it gives a bit of hope as well because you don't get these players that are top tier, um, have you know millions of followers and have played uh, amazing careers. They all were kids at one point. So uh, when you get someone like Dylan and to be honoured that way, and to know that he could have been a rising star and he could have, you know, been someone that, you know, lives to 100 and played the best uh, footy of his life, 
it also gives you hopes that, that they look they like looking after the the kids coming through the ranks. Yeah. You know, they want to make sure that people that go play footy footy with uh soccer when they're five, um that can you can call that. it you can call it footy. Oh yeah, footy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 that's what yeah, they call yeah. I feel like real I feel like real <laughs> yeah, soccer yeah, fans call it call football. football. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a thing? Yeah, it yeah, is yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can come is, up yeah. footy footy. <laughs> You'd actually think I'm from London. You, play, you call <laughs> rugby footy, bro. <laughs> yeah, we do. Guys don't even But it's kick so it. good just to see um uh, such a young kid and get honored in that way. Uh because there's so many of them. My, I had a friend well, he didn't get honoured. He actually he got um, drafted to a Liverpool. Um, he was a striker, amazing footy player. But he, then he got done for street drinking, lost his whole friendship and yeah. his whole life. Street just, drinking, street drinking. He in went, Liverpool. Uh, he was over there. Yeah. Well, I thought you were pretty much allowed to drink well, everywhere. No, because but... no, when they were so he was because he was under this contract or whatever. They needed them to be. Perfect. Far more discipline oh, so, than that. Right, right. Yeah. Ooh, so, yes. Yeah, so, look, I've been in Liverpool. So, somehow he got done with the cops for drinking or something like that. And then he got kicked out of the whole mm. academy. Mm. And, um, yeah, so he, he came back and it was kind of like, what the hell? You could have played yeah, you for just, Liverpool. Yeah. You just like you just, shattered my whole perception yeah. of drinking alcohol in you Liverpool. You've had a few cruises. I thought that's all they did in Liverpool, soccer and boots. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess he was only he was young, so he would have been 17. Yeah, and I don't think well, it was 16. I don't think it was so much that, you know, it was the street drinking. It was just that that's not the discipline of exactly. a professional football right, player. Right, yeah, they expect right, okay. you to be They're pretty hardcore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you give your childhood up at age 14 to become exactly. a professional footballer. And you yeah. know, this is why I suppose, you know, we often talk about the money that they earn, but that money has to see them through for the rest of their life because that mm. usually, you know, when they finish their careers at 30, 32, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's so many of them are now getting back into the game as coaches, as sports scientists or, you know, even pundits. Um, they stay around. They stay around, well, they they stay around be because they just love the environment. It. It's a big, big deal for them it's a, it's growing a, up. It's exactly. what they know. And, and on top of it, it's sometimes, you know, you choose that path. You've got to be a role model. They want you to be a role model. They yeah. don't want you to be out there getting drunk every weekend. But then, you know. Um, but You can liken it to what's going on at Man United, can't you, with Marcus Rashford and the other gentleman that hasn't covered himself in glory. You know, you've got two. Well, tell us two. about that, Tracy, because I know absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing about football. Yeah, yeah. No, Do just, go on. There's yeah. just two professional, like there's just two people up there that are at the the pinnacle of the you know sport. their career yeah. and their sport, and one's chosen to go down um, the path of of helping out the the people with like food banks and the Queen get being given honours and, and the Queen Day um, mm. honours list, and mm. another one who um, shall re remain nameless at this point has done something that is against the law and is being investigated right now. So Wait. you know they both had the chance to to path go down certain paths. And one goes down. And that's way. life, isn't it? It's you life. Know, different strokes life. See, for I've different I've been trying yeah. to do everything by the book, and then I've got this guy over here, <laughs> you know, old dodgy Dragging Dave. You, down. you know what I mean? Dragging you down <laughs> to the mud. Oh, yeah, I'm the dodgy one. Yeah, so, it, but it's, you know, the thing is as well, like, when you have that much fame and that much money, you know, people sometimes have hiccups as well. Yeah. Or I just, there are obviously people that are just, um, but the when they start them at 14 too, like no. there must be this element of like sometimes you just want to let loose, enjoy yourself. Oh, 
Uh, they miss yeah, out. Right. They do miss out. No, they do. Know? They give up. They can't go out of a, of a you know, a, of a, on the weekends to go out with their mates, you know. And, and it, I know at 14, you know, you're not out in, in clubs, but you're not, you, you have, you start, you're very much a very professional approach to your eating, drinking, water, you know. Yeah, you right, don't, right, You're not right. having soft drinks. And, and just, it's the discipline that, that goes with that. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, you hear people that go, oh, stay back behind training or they go to the gym and do extra work. That That's where it all starts. So, you know, while you're watching your, your school friends go and do something else, um, you know, you're not. You're doing that extra bit to carve out a career at a very, Until very young age. Until you're cruising around in a Lamborghini. Yeah. Crying, yeah. Oh, yeah. Life is much yeah. <laughs> Wiping tears away with 100-pound bills. <laughs> yeah, but there was also the people that don't make it. Yeah, there you is. Know? Oh, yeah. And there is a there big is. list of that, and they yeah. obviously can go home and lick their lips. And Do you then, reckon you could have made it in the soccer world? I reckon if I played AFL, I reckon I would have done all right. I reckon because I played rugby league, so I was quite skinny, and I didn't get my size until I was 17, 18, and then I was kind of dropping out of You're still rugby. pretty skinny, Toki. Oh, yeah, I know, but I was like <laughs> – No, but I was, I've got – like before, I was probably the shortest in the team, and I was uh, like – I'm talking like my bones were – you know, very, His balls very were huge. I was one of those long-distance African runners, you know, <laughs> that could sit there. And, <laughs> Gazelle, you know, yeah. just keep going. Uh, but now, like, you know, like, I've got a little bit of a belly, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you got some size. I've seen, I've seen you in the gym doing baby weights. Um, Tracy, all right, take it back for me. Yeah. How did he initially find the lump? So just he was um, doing what most men do, I'm led to believe. Having sex. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Having um, a shower. Uh, <laughs> he was cleaning himself. <laughs> cleaning the internals. Just making sure that they were both there on both a regular basis. The same reason when I got found out mine were big. Just woke up. <laughs> just woke up. So he's having a feel around. He's having a feel around. It was like a bit of a like a pain, pain at some point and then next time he'd feel it, it wasn't. It was painless. So, you know, most of the, the lumps that you find down right. there are painless lumps. And so, you know, you... So he actually had a bit of pain. Yeah, he, ha- he had a bit of pain okay. which triggered it. And then he would often go, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt at the moment, but it, I can feel the lump. Hmm. So, you know, that's when, you know, when the doctor tells you that it's just a cyst, don't worry. You go, oh, good. That's great. That's exactly what you want to hear because I didn't know enough about the disease. And this is probably a perfect time to give anyone some advice because I think what I've learned is once you go to see a doctor and they give you some advice, go see another one. Oh, okay. Let's go down the road of advocacy when it comes to talking to doctors. But continue what you're saying. Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, what I've learned definitely over the years, especially with my wife because she's had a lot of issues, is one doctor can give his opinion. The other doctor might be, oh, we need to look into this. Mm. There is actually, a, look, I'm not saying every single dog, but, you know, there is uh, it's, It is opinions. Yeah, it's, it's not the exact science opinions. when yeah. they're examining someone from the outside, right? No, absolutely. And, and, you know, all we wanted them to do is put their ego aside and just go, you know what, I don't know what it is, mm. but let's not muck around with it. Let's go find the worst did you, case. Did you have check. some stern words with that doctor after the fact? Or? Um, no, I, I what I did was once um, the charity was set up, I took some... Uh, of our brochures, our resources down there and asked if I could actually l- give them to the, leave them in the um, waiting room and if oh. they could hand them to the doctors. Yeah. And I just explained that Dylan was a patient there and he's no longer with us because of this misdiagnosis. And I'd really appreciate it if, you know, next time you get um, somebody presenting with testicular, ca- you know, sorry, testicular issues yeah. that you actually send them for an ultrasound. And I give them a little heads oh, up. You yeah. took the high road. I did. Uh, I like it. I, I like it. Because uh, I just think the, the low road would have... 
um, consumed me. Yeah, of course. It oh. Now, yeah. tell us about the foundation. What are we doing with DT thirty eight, Tracy? What are the goals of the foundation? What's what's happening? Give us give us the info. Um, well, at the moment, we um, we're all about awareness and education. So we like to go into the schools um, and uh, educate the the men and the the women in there. And um, depending on the age of the kids, we um, we have a book that um, is part of our education program with the foundation, and that teaches. Um, not only about it, uh, testicular cancer, but also qualities that Dylan had was, you know, his tolerance, his um, resilience, uh, you know, um, his just kindness, his love for, for mm. everything and everyone. Uh, and we we use that and that's in the UK is um, delivered by the West Ham United Foundation um, for us. And we then just, we raise awareness across our social media platforms all the time. So we're, we, we emulate that out here as well. Um, we hold major events up in the UK. Um, we have a white collar boxing day, we um, golf day and a poker day. So quite three quite distinctly different. Um, Some good like manly yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's, a bit yeah. man, there's a bit masculine and, um, stuff. Yeah. Like so, that. you know, we're, we're seeing it. It's very successful up there. And so, we, you know, we try and replicate the same thing down here. Um, our awareness down here in the schools is uh, probably gets more traction because everybody here is like I don't I didn't grow up in the UK so I don't have those um, those extended connections through school and and through mm. um, work and that but um, you know we we all approach our schools out here and our kids schools and so it's easier for us to do out here um, personally so yeah just raising awareness um, and I think the biggest message we get out there is just to to turn around and and tell the guys that if you know you have issues with your testicles, you must insist on an ultrasound. You know, no matter, mm. you know, if we empower the men to to know what they need to do in front of these doctors that might dismiss them or might not be as diligent on the day, um, to actually insist on an ultrasound, then they get to take their health matters into their own hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a, it's a tricky topic, right? Especially for kids, as we were saying before, it's like telling kids like check your balls, do all that mm. stuff. It's, there's a bit of taboo. Around testicles, okay. so that's why we need that awareness, right? We need to know, like, you should be checking, getting people to check them, show them to people in the right environment. Don't just show them to people well, or it, random people. Really, you know? uh, it, probably across the board, you know your body, know when something's different. Yeah, that, and that's that's exactly right. You know, we we encourage people to do it on a regular basis so they know what's normal, and um, and that way you get to know when something's not feel doesn't feel right or doesn't what, look right. What about intermittent checks? People getting them. Balls checked intermittently, like for if you go do a physical. I'm trying to think the last time I got my balls checked. I feel like I should get them checked, mm. not by you. Oh. You're looking at me like <laughs> any volunteer. I'm qualified. To be honest, like, I'd have to look at my license. See, I woke up this morning with six lumps on my stomach. <laughs> All right, they were abs. Okay, they were. <laughs> I usually carry my own set of testicles with me, and that that oh, breaks dude. the ice. Yeah, have, dude, a, have you got them? I didn't bring them with me today. Oh, Dave's hanging. All right, you get yours out there. Dave, well, like, no, you can take them with your mouth. Don't take them with your mouth, Dave. Yes. It's Put a glove on or something. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so you've come from London? I've come over from London. Wow, what was your flight like? Because Dave... <laughs> I had a bad experience. You had a bad experience. Oh, yeah. My experience was not, not as bad as yours, Dave. No, mine was okay. Were you flying business class? I might have been, yes. Yes, Ooh, there you go. See, and did you fly a Jetstar? Uh, no. <laughs> ah, really? No, <laughs> flies Jetstar. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, I fly, so, wait, are they a government airline? 
support your local airline industry. <laughs> it's horrible. Jets are horrible. Um, see, business class, once you've flown business class, there's no going there's back. There's no turning back. You can't go back. I'm just going to say it. It's oh, the, do you it's know the what? I, so I've never flown business class. Oh. Yeah, I'm a man for the people, you know? You know <laughs> people, yeah. uh, like, even if I had, I reckon $200 million, mm. I'm going to be that guy. I catch a train every day still. Yeah. You know, I'm the guy who, like, uh, like if it cost me four dollars to get to the city, all right, all right. Let, let's let's thresh this out a little bit. You've got two hundred million dollars yeah. in the bank, yeah, and, and they're like business work? class to Sydney yeah. is fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, You'd I'd rather like, pay the four hundred for economy flight. Listen, uh, yeah, that probably I okay. am a bit. Of a... <laughs> Here's what the problem is: I'm going to get you flown business class one time, and then you will be destroyed. <laughs> You can never go back. You go in, they're like, here's some hot nuts for you. On, on trend, on topic, on top hot nuts. Uh, here's some champagne, sir. Can we take your suit jacket? I, I flew with suits this time. Can we take your suit jacket? This time I'm going to Jetstar. I had my suit bag, right? Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. Do you have a suit closet? And he laughed in my face. He said, dude, we barely got room for the pilot. <laughs> so I'm like sitting down with this huge Hugo Boss like suit hanger on my feet. It was horrible, dude. It was like crowned in like sardines. I told you I was booing. Uh, one day I will, you know, one day I will. One day. We need to make that happen. Yeah. Qantas, we love you. Fly Luke business. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to get the worst service on Jets. Dude, I went on, big, I went on Big Brother and they actually said to me, they were like, How did you Dude, not fly business for BB? Um, you were VIP. It was Big Brother VIP that you felt like flying business big, class? That was Big Brother economy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, jeez. Oh, Look, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if probably I was the only one. <laughs> Because I'm the guy that's going, nah, it's fine. You know, I'll get the cold nuts. So I get no nuts. <laughs> yeah, I just get elbowed on the way out. You get elbowed. I'm going to be on my next jet star flight, and the pilot's going to be jerking the plane around but for fun. The, um, and you like that? So I do get looked after, but most of the time uh, by the uh, hostesses, they will be like, oh, look, you want a drink, beer, mm. or whatever, and they give me the free cob. <laughs> They give you that warm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they give you the wine in the, in the plastic bottle. And then I read it as like cold veggie. Um, <laughs> Would you like, like a glass of Pinot Noir from this plastic <laughs> bottle, sir? That's going to be real top quality <laughs> wine there. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff you want to be putting in your body. Uh, all right. So, Charity Golf Day. It's Charity happening. Golf Day. And when is it happening? It's happening on Friday, this Friday the 11th. And are you playing? Mm. No, I'm not. Oh, oh what? I thought we were going to team up. Yeah. Well, can you I be heard, my caddy, Tracy? I can I be need, your caddy. I need um, serious yeah. pointers. <laughs> no, I love playing golf. I, yeah, we used to have a family golf day all the time. Dylan and I would always tee up and play against Jim and Taylor. Yeah, he was uh, Dylan sporty. and I would be winning by the fifth, sixth hole. So, yeah, yeah it was a pretty easy day for us. Um, did you say, what? Did, what, did, <laughs> you, just, did you low-key kind of uh, brag? Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was yeah, the, the yeah, I was like, to sneak yeah, in quietly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm about to have to tell your partner to listen to this. So Listen to what I said at the 37.45 mark. No, I mean, they used to always argue who was one, two, and three in the family, and I was always ditched to four. And and so I used to always play with one, and Dylan was the best golfer. Um, yeah. yeah, but they just didn't give me enough respect. And so I'm very competitive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when you need to pull out the big guns, you do. And you're going to pull them out. That's good. Cause, um, like I, I've only ever got holding ones, like, you know, <laughs> so like that's why 
every single... On the putt-putt. <laughs> on the mini-golf course. I'm I'm slightly concerned about what she played this tournament. I'm concerned for myself. Golf is hard. If I play serious, Mm. I reckon I can. Yeah, you can drink beers while you play golf, which is nice. I'm actually looking forward to it. Really looking forward. Yeah, to it. it's a fun day, mm. and if you don't take your yourself too seriously on days like this, you know there are obviously going to be teams there that that do want to do do want to win. But yeah, just enjoy yourself. My goal for the day is just to mess, mess those guys up. They want to play through. I'll be like, no, yeah. I'm taking my twentieth shot. Stay there. No tea yeah. off you. There will have to be like one of those uh, bins full of balls on the back. I mean. Like, <laughs> Well, if it's any consolation, I'll have excess balls. I'll have more balls for you, all right? I want to see the – I can't believe you didn't bring in the balls. I'll bring them on Friday. All right. We're going to see them on Friday and I'll post yeah. them online. Yeah. I love balls. So before we came in, you said we, we got to talk about Shane Warne. Shane yeah. Warne's passed away. You were a friend of Shane Warne. Yeah. And you said that there was a good chance that he might have came to this golf day if it happened, which is extremely sad. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences and you knowing Shane Warren? Uh, I, I mean, I work for um, Crown in London and being an Australian company, when we get Australian royalty like Shane, you know, mm. we, we he comes in for dinner and um, enjoys the, the facilities. And um, so, you know, I knew Shane through those connections and I reached out to him um, during the week and just said, oh, you know, are you, you're, you're still around in Australia. I knew he was um, commentating in Sydney and I said, we've got our golf down on Friday. I'd love to fly you over. And he said, I wish you'd told me a week earlier because I'm just fly- I'm just I've just landed in Koh Samui. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up the next day uh, to the news that everyone else had had woken up. You know, we'd planned to go out for dinner when he'd come back to Melbourne um, after Koh Samui. And so yeah, it's it's it just goes to show you how precious life, life is, is, isn't yeah, it? You yeah, know, it can and so it's just, fast. It, it can. And you know, this is why. You know, I stop and I I often think about Dylan and his twenty years, and he's he crammed so much into it. You know, the people that he got to meet, the pe- the things that he actually had to do. You know, he, one of the 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 coolest meetings he said he had was when he met Samuel L. Jackson. You know, he mm. he, he sat with him at dinner at um, Harrods one one evening for a uh, one of a, another male charity one um, one for the boys, and um, you know he was like he was just he was just such a cool guy. You know, and I'm like. The people that you got to meet and the, the things that you got to do, you, people don't normally see that in a lifetime, and you've experienced yeah, it in, in, in twenty in. years. Yeah, so I always, I always, actually always thought he was he lived a champagne life. So um, Dylan's ashes are actually reside in my bedroom mm. in a bottle of Ace of Spades champagne because he just lived a champagne life. And so, oh, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, hey, there's a statue right yes, of Dylan is. at HBF Park. Yeah. yeah. People are interested; they can check that out, yeah. and um, that's a pretty amazing thing. Perhaps. Well, it is. You know, I was I was talking um, to my ambassador um, David Davidovich in Melbourne, and he was saying that there is no other stadium or no other uh, football statue anywhere in Australia, let alone mm. one that's actually, you know, so close to a major stadium. And he said it's just it's just a huge honour. Um, you know, we need to get probably more of our... Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It really is. He's touched well, on lives. Were you happy about the cast, the bronze cast they did of him? Does it look pretty accurate? Um, no. Oh, it doesn't. No, it doesn't look accurate. Oh. A hundred percent. Okay. Have you seen the one they did of Ronaldo? Yes, I did. Oh, can we pull that, that up? <laughs> pull the Ronaldo, Ronaldo <laughs> statue up for us. And then... 
bronze statue. Have you seen this? I have, but wasn't it a piss take? Yeah, I thought it was. No, a piss no, look, not that one. Look. Surely that's not it. Yeah, click, click on it. <laughs> that's the piss take. Look at the one oh. with the picture next to him. Look at the picture next to him there. Yeah. Surely that can't be it. I mean, pretty accurate. They didn't do that it's to like, him. They didn't do that to him. It's like when you go ask for a tattoo, but he's like, yeah, no worries, I'll what? give you my address. And it's yeah. like in the backyard. Dude, imagine standing there waiting for that to be unveiled and that's what I they mean, as did. good as they are, I mean, I don't think any one of them that was like, that was the redo. That was the redo. They had to redo it. The second one looks good. So yeah. how's Dylan's? No, Tell it, me about this. No, I mean, pull it up. Pull Dylan's. Let's pull Dylan's pull up. Pull Dylan's up. Um, no, it's just, you know, I, you see him every day and you go, oh, that's just not, but we sent a photo down there. And look, I think it, it's fantastic. Oh, let me guess. We can talk about right? this, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's, you, let's go you, in on this guy. Did you take the oh, heart? Did good. you go down there and do you have a prepare for that? <laughs> this is what he said. No, I mean, oh, we that's did, not, we oh, did that's not too bad. We, that's not Ronaldo. <laughs> that's not no, Ronaldo we, bad. we did go down there oh. um, originally when before it arrived at this yeah. point and said okay. we're not happy with we weren't happy with the, um, a, a couple of parts of the the, the, the feet and the, the yeah. face and that sort okay. of thing. So they they redid it a bit. So yeah. I mean, there you go. So they did have to redo it a bit. What's yeah. he holding in his hand? Happy birthday, so, mum. When he was in um, oh, when he was in Mexico, the, oh, he scored a goal against um, the Ivory Coast. Yeah. Um, and they won two one. And he pulled out his shin pad and came up to the camera and said, "Happy birthday, mum." And oh, so, all the feels. Yeah. And I'm, go to the mic. Were you, oh, we were got you that. in the crowd? No, I wasn't in the crowd. Oh. So I was I was at home and I was actually watching it on um, Facebook. Um, and I was I had a three-second delay. So I started getting all these messages going, oh, you must be so proud, oh, you know, wow. congratulations. And I hadn't seen what, <laughs> what was coming. Yeah. So I paid attention and he'd actually spoken to me the day before and said, um, I'm writing on my shin pad, happy birthday, mum, so that when I score a goal, he was just so confident. And I'm like in the back of my mind going, don't jinx yourself, you know. Yeah. But he's like, no, he said, I'm going to score a goal. Mm. And so he, yeah, he did. And he, he got told if he did that again, he'd be fined two and a half thousand euros. And, yeah. So then it would have been a real birthday present. <laughs> See, I so, did yeah. spend money on your mum. But it's iconic because the shin pad then became the inspiration behind the logo for DT38, which oh, was the shin pad cool. message and that. So, yeah, it was it, it was such a proud moment for me and, yeah, loved it, loved it. Well, from such a horrible event, um, some amazing stuff has come about and the awareness you guys are raising and doing is so, so incredible. We're so thankful for you, Tracy, and the stuff that you and the foundation do and uh, your young man lives on in the hearts and minds of all those that you guys have affected. Yeah, thank um, you. And we are very much looking forward to this charity tournament. Now, how else can people get involved with DT38? Um, they can get involved by... Um helping us raise money. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people like to have their their bike rides or their charity events and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it is a very important thing. They can they can contact us through the website um, and if they want us to come down to their schools and do an awareness um, piece at the schools, um, you know, reach out to us. Um, just recently reached out to somebody in, in Melbourne that um, I'm really pleased to hear. He, he found a lump at midnight. Yeah. And by eight o'clock, he was seeing a doctor. Eight o'clock in the morning, he was seeing a doctor. And by 10 o'clock, he'd had an ultrasound. And if that's the sort of service that somebody can receive when they have a lump on their testes, I think we, 
you know, we stand a very good chance of, of having a lot more people survive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys are heavily involved with Perth Glory in Western Australia? Yes, we are. We're linked right? with Perth Glory. Okay. Yeah. And do the if you guys are sending people down to the school, do they send a Glory player down there to talk to them? Like, how does that work? Yeah, well, we're fortunate to have a, a lot of ambassadors across different disciplines. And mm. so depending on what school we go into, um, you know, if, if we went into a school that was predominantly basketball, we would take our basketball ambassadors down there. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, we're very fortunate to to have that opportunity. But one of our biggest and most successful things is, you know, we had one of the parents, uh, we went down to one of the schools, um, uh, Trinity College, mm-hmm. and the, the son came home and told the dad all about what was down there. We took the Socceroos. They were in town in, in uh, I think, September 2014. Mm. Um, and uh, they um, went to the school with us. And the dad was so in, impressed with the, the kid's version of, of what happened, that he opened his business, uh, Ultrasound Services, to us to do free screenings twice a year. So twice a year, we offer free screenings for anybody that wants to to, to get to checked, check them out, to wow. check them out, to know what it's like. It's it's two minutes. It's it's not invasive. That's amazing. You know, the guy yeah. warms his hands up. So oh, they do. Yeah, they do. That's important. That's if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, you definitely want. You definitely <laughs> Who knows want. What you're into. Yeah, there you go. I've it tried <laughs> Uh, yeah. The web address is? Is www.dt38.org. Beautiful. And then can people find you on Instagram? Yep, we're on Instagram. Um, they just have to look for the DT38. DT38. Um, yeah. Awareness Down Under. Awareness DT38. Down Under. DT38. Which, um, yeah, we're very proud of. We love the, the drop-down W that you can't see, but it's on the back of your shirts. Yep. Looks like your testicles hanging down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Let see yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's on the bottom. It's yeah. on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Down under looks like a pair of nuts. A pair of nuts, yeah. So, yeah, we had a bit of fun with it. Yeah, you got yeah. it. You got you it. Do. You have to have it. You have to, you have to yeah. engage with people so they can have a laugh and open up the lines of communication. Well, that's it. And I think like in serious situations or horrible times, like having a laugh actually kind of adding a bit of brevity to the yeah. situation really helps, you yeah. know, because it's been a very, very serious event for you. So we appreciate you coming in and, no, thank you. and chatting to us. And too. I know Dylan would be so proud of you. He yeah. is. Yeah. He yeah. is. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you, Tracy. Thank you very much. Right. We'll see you on Friday. With my balls. <laughs> yes. Man, uh, <laughs> that's a heavy one sitting with a mum, right, who's yeah. lost her kid. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's good that she has taken it and made it into a good thing. Are you excited to play on uh, Friday? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let let me see a little bit of your swing form (laughs) in studio. Can you just pretend to swing on it? Remember, you, you got the booty. It's do you remember when I took uh, Andy's golf hat? Oh, I do. Andy loved golf. (laughs) He I'm going to be you, cha- <laughs> channeling my inner Andy. But, uh, but we should call Andy to get some golfing. Let's <laughs> not go down that tips. road. Um, dude, I'm going to get my balls checked this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you're going to do it? Um, yeah, look, why not? Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I reckon DT38, let's go get our nuts checked in, um, why not? Yeah, they're going to have to need a pretty big x-ray machine for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's high bone in density a wheelbarrow. Runs. We'll bring him in Might in have a to take me to the zoo. Yeah. Like, this know, is going to be a three-hour you know, exam. Did you know that? If you're um, massively fat, mm. 
that if they can't get you in a normal x-ray machine, they actually take you to the zoo? No, that's not true. <laughs> Dude, Dude, I swear it is true. <laughs> is, there is there people Dude, that need I'm to x-ray the zoo? Pretty sure. Why? Why? Is that just a service the zoo offers? Uh-huh. Is that just a service they offer? Why have they got a gigantic x-ray machine at the zoo? For, I guess, the big gorilla oh. people, you know? Are they, are they x-raying? <laughs> Are they x-raying gorillas often? Is that I'm pretty I mean? sure. I'm pretty sure they have to x-ray gorillas and stuff, so they need the uh, big x-ray machines. And maybe if you're, you know, 180, 200 kgs. Imagine being a gorilla in the ju- king of the jungle, <laughs> cruising around, living your best life. And then now you're in this, like, and then you go, go tiny enclosure. And you <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're, like, you normally, like, lick it's your so own horrible. butt and then yeah. you're in this, like, uh, Tesla-looking machine. Yeah. They're checking so, yeah. feel if, you, if you're claustrophobic. It'll so, be fine in there, monkey boy. <laughs> I can just imagine. I, I, I'm going to go there. They're going to go, listen, Luke, I have to send you to the zoo. <laughs> you have to send you to the zoo. <laughs> Those big gorilla nuts. <laughs> <they>. <laughs> you need to take care of your business more often. They just get their, their swole. <laughs> They're like, how, how could you not have feel, felt this thing? <laughs> what? 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 Well, that's it. That's, that's it. We're done. Episode that's four. a wrap. Episode four in the bag. Um, we got some good guests coming up and uh, we're excited that you guys have been listening. So thank you to our listeners. Also, if you want to design, build and grow your digital future, CoDigital is the place to create the digital exposure you want for your business. Creating fresh ways to enhance your brand, engage your audience and lift your bottom line. CoDigital. The H is silent. I've given you guys this tagline and now you have to use it. <laughs> the H is silent. Yeah, they're tied to it now. The H is silent. Code Imagine digital. if we started off and we're like... They're presenting this podcast for us, so thank you. Yeah, Coach. thank you, Code Digital. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we've made a horrible mistake. <laughs>